For sports content from the biggest leagues and competitions across the world, look no further than Reuters Connect, Reuters online news content platform. Reuters Connect makes finding the sports content you need easy, whether it's in-depth reporting from Reuters journalists or access to video highlights from around the world. Bring the world of sport directly to your workplace with Reuters Connect. For more information and a free trial, visit ReutersConnect.com. Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week, we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rulemakers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Sports professor Riccardo, inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports... And we are keeping score. Well, on March 11, 2020, the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a global pandemic. And within sports on that day, otherwise known as the day the sports stood still, the National Basketball Association shut down its entire operation when Utah Jazz player Rudy Gobert tested positive for COVID-19 right before the tip of the Jazz game in Oklahoma City. The NBA, hockey, golf, tennis, soccer, spring training, youth sports followed suit. And we all thought it would be a short interlude, maybe just a month or two. Well, after less than a year, economic modeler EMSI estimated that sports occupations could lose a total of over $12 billion by last midsummer. That's $133 million every day or $92,000 every minute. Well, we've reached the one-year anniversary. And let's look at some of the deal-making issues three to one as we attempt The comeback. Three. Deal-making issue number three. Well, just over 100 years ago, we learned from the pandemic of the Spanish flu, and we also realized that it took 675,000 American lives in 1918 and 1919, but attendance quickly spiked at ballparks like Yankee Stadium and new venues built with that facility and movie palaces all across the nation. Maybe the 21st century Roaring Twenties will do some things that are similar. And reasons why? Well, creativity born out of necessity, facing the inability to hold live events, streaming's happening. Second, best practices born out of natural selection. You don't survive, you leave. You thrive because you're creative. And then finally, unprecedented sharing and cooperation born out of the theme that sports is in it together. Finally, who can forget those cutouts, which will live with us forever? The bottom line is it's deal-making issue 321 and everything else. It's our one-year anniversary. Two. Deal-making issue number two, the strategic alliance between the European and PGA Tours already paying dividends, according to a report from Telegraph. The report states that the European masters, due to travel bans currently in place in Spain, will allow other opportunities to move forward. Prohibiting visitors from the UK and South Africa due to the ongoing pandemic cuts the event in Spain, but we just had a successful event at the concession in Florida. On average, roughly a third of European tour fields are made up by South African and UK pros. The three Euro Tour events in jeopardy, the Tenerife Open and the Glen Canaria Open in Spain and the Portugal Masters in Filamora. The European Tour confirmed the possibility in a memo to the players last Monday, 
hasn't hosted an event since the Saudi International first week of February. The Telegraph report noted not only had the PGA Tour given its blessing to host the events on U.S. soil, it was a PGA Tour's idea in the first place. One. Finally, deal-making issue number one, it's basketball. It's Knicks. Fans are dropping $250 on last-minute PCR COVID-19 tests. Desperate to get back to Madison Square Garden, poning up to 250 for last-minute COVID tests before tip-off to meet new state testing rules for large venues, according to New York Post. Venues holding more than 10,000 people can operate at 10% capacity as long as every guest had passed a COVID test within 72 hours of tip-off. State of New York requires fans to get more sensitive and accurate PCR tests. The testing requirements leave few reliable options for fans because most providers can only guarantee the specialized PCR test within three to five days. Most providers, that is, in Rapid Test NYC, one of three testing sites where MSG is directing patrons to be tested, set up a makeshift clinic inside a Stewart Hotel conference room across, across 8th Avenue from MSG. MSG spokesman pointed out that New York is the only state requiring this level of testing for large venues. Maybe that's what happens when the Knicks flicker at goodness. We'll see what happens at the end of the year. Well, basketball important. We just finished the NBA All-Star game, and we have an icon to talk to today, and he's Pat Williams. He was born in Philadelphia and raised in Wilmington, Delaware. He played baseball at Wake Forest and served seven years in the U.S. Army. He started his sports executive career in minor league baseball before spending three years in the Minnesota Twins organization. He moved back to Philly in 68 to work for the 76ers and proceeded to be the general manager for the Chicago Bulls, Atlanta Hawks, then returned to Philly again to craft a team that would win the 1983 NBA title. In 87, Williams helped lead the group that brought Orlando its first professional franchise, serving various leadership roles in the Magic organization until 2019. In 96, he was named one of the 50 most influential people in NBA history. Pat and his wife Ruth are the parents of 19 children, 14 of whom are adopted from four foreign countries. They also have 18 grandchildren. I've had the honor to, honor to, to know Pat for years since we were vying for expansion franchises in the NBA, him in Orlando, me in Miami. Guess what? We both won, and I won a friendship with an icon. Here's Pat Williams. Just pleased, humbled, honored to be with a uh, mentor, personal friend, father of basketball in Orlando, father of sports in many ways. We'll talk about the 87 Orlando Magic in a minute. Pat Williams, co-founder of the Magic, thank you very much for All doing Rick. this. Welcome <coughs> to our building, welcome to Orlando. Thank Good you. to see you. Good to see you too. Talk about Bill Veck. I understand he was one of your mentors. What did, what did Bill Peck, Beck teach you about sports, life, and promotion? Well, it's interesting because in summer, <coughs> of 1962, uh, there was an off day in that season and I was visiting around, went to Burdine's bookstore, <laughs> yeah. department store. You yeah. remember Burdine's? Uh -huh. <laughs> We're dating ourselves, ladies and gentlemen. I ended yeah. up in the book department <clears throat> and there on the front table was this book called Vec is in Wreck. And this picture of Bill Vec on the front cover, I bought it. <clears throat> it was pre-signed by him, amazingly. $3.95, 400-page book. That would cost you 35 bucks today. But I bought it and was absolutely absorbed as Bill Vec shared his story. And he made reference numbers of times to Bill Durney, 
uh, in St. Louis, who was the GM of this team I was with with Miami. So when the season ended, I asked Bill Durney if he could help me uh, reach and get to see Bill Vec in his home in Eastern Maryland. I lived in Wilmington, yeah. Delaware, not that far away. And that all came about, and I went to see Bill Vec, cold turkey, and uh, hoped just to shake hands. And about six hours later, I left. And my life had been really transformed by this remarkable man. Uh, I stayed in touch with him. He was a mentor. Uh, he was a friend. He was a ally, you know, for 25 years. And uh, what did I learn? Oh, many things. I wrote a book a few years ago, Rick, called Marketing Your Dreams, uh, Life Lessons I Learned from Bill Veck. One of them was read, read, read. Bill Veck was a voracious reader. Secondly, uh, it's, it's good to have fun at the old ballpark. You can't beat fun. Uh, don't sell the games on the one and loss column. Too risky, but you can guarantee fun. Uh, I also learned uh, from him in uh, the importance of public speaking. Uh, that's really the main way that Bill sold his teams out in front of people. Well, and words to live by today, very clearly. So, and, and, and it, it's all as relevant in all sports. So you're making a transition and you made it successfully, obviously. Reflect back on, 80, on, on, on 83, you're with the Sixers, they win the NBA championship. And so talk a little bit about that process and, and how you put that group together, tell that story. Well, that was a, a, an interesting process because we, uh, little by little, I, I came to the Sixers in the, uh, in the heels of that 9 and 73 disaster, uh, which will always be remembered. And uh, we had to really build from scratch. Uh, we started uh, drafting Daryl Dawkins out of high school, drafted Lloyd Free, uh, lured George McGinnis over from the other league, lured Caldwell Jones over from the other league. Uh, we then made that huge deal, $6 million deal to acquire Julius Irving. Six million. Um, we then had two important draft picks that worked, Maurice Cheeks and Andrew Tony. That gave us our guard line. We traded George McGinnis to Denver for Bobby Jones, uh, which gave us that wonderful multi-piece player. And then uh, the enormous acquisition of Moses Malone, a $13 million deal, which at that time uh, was absolutely unprecedented. So suddenly we had our franchise, Moses in the middle, Bobby Jones up front, uh, coming off the bench with Julius, Cheeks and Tony the guard line, and we had a team that could play with everybody, and they did. Had a marvelous season, and then uh, met the Lakers who had kept knocking us out of the playoffs right. every year, it seemed, right. and we finally got our revenge and swept them, and uh, we had our title. An incredible title that people in Philadelphia will never forget. Four years later, the magic is awarded in a, for a building just a few feet from, uh, yards from here, but it's the end of a story, beginning of another one, but that doesn't happen overnight. So tell a little bit about the story of bringing the magic to Orlando. Well, I'd been in uh, Philly as the GM for 12 years, but I was getting restless. Uh, I needed a new challenge. The ultimate challenge in pro sports, I think, Rick, is to start a team up from scratch, an expansion team. I had met some business leaders uh, here in Orlando, and uh, they kept pursuing me to 
come on down here and head this up. And finally, I had to make a decision, leave my home area, leave the Sixers, leave a young Charles Barkley, etc., and come down here cold turkey and see if we could rally this community and then sell the NBA, A, on expanding, and B, putting a franchise here in Central Florida in 1986-87. And Rick, uh, this community wasn't much to look at then. It was still quite a small southern town. Anyway, I took the risk, uh, spent, I don't know, the better part of six months uh, speaking and yelling and screaming and jumping up and down in the community. And then, Uh, keeping the NBA posted. Anyway, long story short, in April of 1987, uh, the league was looking at four cities that were trying to knock their way in. Miami, Orlando, Charlotte, and Minneapolis. And uh, nobody really got a real sense on this. And finally, the league said, why don't we take all four of them? Now, the price to get in was 32.5 million. Time out. Repeat that again. 32.5. 32.5. Right. Which and value we, today? Well, listen, teams yeah. are selling now for 2 billion. Yeah. Anyway, Rick, at 32.5, we really felt uh, they had taken advantage of us. Initially, the talk was eh, it's going to be maybe around 25 million, but 32.5, we 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 were gagged. But finally, each city came up with it, and, uh, and they took all four of us. Yeah. Miami and Charlotte were to start in the fall of 88, right. uh, Maya- Orlando and Minnesota the fall of 89, and uh, we paid our entry fees, uh, multiply 32.5 times four, Rick, and then spread that out among 22 owners. Uh, big, big payday for them Right. back in that era. Back in that era, and a big deal for you and truth be told, it was interesting because I was part of that group that dealt with the heat. And you were the reason why people should take Orlando seriously. Nobody knew the Hewitt family. Minnesota has its own and Charlotte had its own assets as well. And South Florida, clearly sun and fun and sports and transplanted New Yorkers and all. But don't underestimate Orlando because it has Pat Williams. Uh, <laughs> well, Rick, we uh, we worked hard and we got this community fired up. I think one of the things that w- was, was huge for us were the deposits, yeah. $100 deposits on 14,000 season tickets. Uh, that was unheard of, but our community really stepped up and did that. Uh, I think that was a huge eye-opener to the league that something was pretty uh, rabid here. Yeah. And as it turns out, it was. You know, those early years with our franchise where we we're playing to sell out crowds and, you know, hysterical fans. And it was really be- a beautiful story. So this was the time, and, and you, of course, were around. Your best general manager move was getting the lottery pick and drafting Shaq, right? So were you, was that the the heated ping pong ball you got uh-huh. to do or the heated envelope? Which, which, how did that all work? Well, Rick, actually, <laughs> for two straight years, 92 and 93, uh, the, the lottery then was understandable. Today it's not. Yeah, it's not. But it was really a matter of ping pong balls. Uh, there were 66 of them in the machine. Uh, based on your, your, the worst record, you had the most balls. 1992, darn if our ball doesn't pop up. And we won it. And everybody was absolutely ecstatic for us, including the commissioner. Yeah. Great break for this expansion team. There was Shaq. The next year, 
we missed the playoffs by the fifth tiebreaker and ended up in the lottery. We had one out of 66 ping pong balls in that machine. And amazingly enough, guess what happened? Our ball popped up again. A brilliant general manager move, by the way. Well, that, brilliant, brilliant. Let me tell you this, Rick. <laughs> nobody was happy for us th that yeah, year, yeah. including the commissioner. Right. I mean, David Stern, that was not the way it was designed. Anyway, that led to all the wheeling and dealing on draft night, and that's how Penny Hardaway got here. So we had this wonderful young nucleus of Shaq and Penny, both 20 years old. Uh, we had Dennis Scott here already. We had Nick Anderson. Uh, we had a nice young team, and we had a, a great run. And then uh, in 1996, it all unraveled. Shaq as a free agent went to LA. Penny uh, had both knees go out on him over a period of time. And suddenly, we were uh, scrambling all over again. Yeah, well, but that's, but you know, you recover and that's part of your life. 983, Sixers, today, biggest difference between the NBA then and now? Oh, Rick, I think the, the first thing that comes to mind is the internationalization of the game. Uh, the NBA is, is being watched in every nation on earth. Uh, people are watching games in China and in India and in Japan, everywhere. Uh, secondly, the players that are coming from all these nations. Uh, this year, for example, uh, there are a hundred players from other countries. I think 41 countries are represented with players on rosters in the league this year. That's astounding. And I guess the third thing, Rick, is uh, just the enormous value of these franchises. They tell me that every franchise in the league is worth a billion dollars. And when you see teams sold for two billion, and you think about what are the Lakers worth? We've got a league, we've got a sport that has really found its stride and has become a worldwide endeavor. And uh, I guess the best way to put it in simple terms, the NBA now is a big deal. What do you think is the most pervasive and important element of the power of sports and why sports has such a, 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 uh, an obvious impact in being able to change people's lives? Well, Rick, all I can tell you is this. We live in a sports-crazy nation. Uh, everything seems to uh, revolve around high school or college or pro sports. Um, and I think it's important to remember that the athlete, the coach, uh, the executive, the broadcaster, has an enormous platform of influence in our country. And, and we all need to take that very seriously, that the words we speak, our actions, the way we conduct our lives, is impacting millions of people. Now that's the power of athletics. And so I think it's important for athletes and coaches to, to be careful about how, what they say, how they say it. I know we live in a very competitive business, but by the same token, you know, there are millions of eyes watching us and it's therefore important to be good role models. I think that's more than anything what I've taken from sports in my career in sports. Pat Williams' incredible perspective coming out of the All-Star Game. Let's go to our Sports Tech Minute. The North America Scholastic Esports Federation is partnering with the National Association of Collegiate Esports to promote opportunities to high school and college students through esports. 
The two organizations will work together on recruitment initiatives, scholarships, championship events, educating students, teachers, coaches, and families, as well as initiatives in joint educational programming. The connection between high school players and college recruiters is vital. The partnership is an important step in connecting the two, said Michael Brooks, the director of the organization. Esports encompasses far more than the players themselves as colleges look for shoutcasters, team managers, audio and video engineers, marketers, and more. The partnership will also help students identify educational opportunities to prepare them for their careers of choice in the esports industry, which Newzoo predicts will hit $1.8 billion by 2022. We're helping students prepare to participate in the enormous and growing market. Very important issue, and that's our top tech minute. Finally, the Good Sports 5, as usual through the pandemic, focusing on many issues. The Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers created the Aaron Rodgers Small Business COVID-19 Fund last month. So far, has given more than a million dollars to small, locally owned businesses in and around his hometown. The fund was started in early February with 500,000 donation from Rogers, a three-time NFL MVP. Orlando Magic forward Aaron Gordon teaming up with Code Orlando to further integrate STEM education into the Orlando area community in dedication to Community D2C, a national nonprofit that educates and empowers communities on diversity, belonging to and and equity announced a partnership with veteran PGA Tour golfer Kirk Triplett for the 21 season. There are significantly other issues. La Vida Baseball officially launched the year of 21, a multi-platform experience dedicated to the story, power, and humanity of Roberto Clemente. The programming lineup includes a signature documentary series, a lineup of incredible short-form films, all-star roundtables, a Mi Clemente video series, a dynamic podcast series, emerging live events, memorable regional tie-ins, limited edition merchandise collections, and more. And finally, for 17 years, Nike's partnered with Dornbacher Children's Hospital in Oregon to create patent-designed sneakers and raise money for the hospital. $29 million to date. The first pair auctioned off in late February of shoes, $1.5 million, at the Freestyle Charity event, their Michael Jordan shoes. Remaining 16 became available on eBay starting last week. Big news in the good sports arena. Well, that's our show for this week, the one-year anniversary of COVID. Let's hope it goes away and stays short. But until then, we've welcomed people like Pat Williams, and we'd like to thank him for making our show even better than it would be. Thank everybody for putting it together. And thank you for joining us and keeping score with us next week and beyond. I'm sports professor Rick Harrell. Action Images is the global multimedia sports agency of Reuters. Leagues, teams and federations around the world rely on Action Images to create, distribute and monetize their content. Action Images' global footprint means sports media expertise is never far away. For more information, visit actionimages.com.